Hello, and welcome to Season 2 of the Digital Health Digest, a CM medical series where we unpack the minds of some of the top leaders within the digital health space. I'm today's host, Harris Tarek, and my focus here at CM Medical is in the digital health market with a specialist interest in industry innovators who are revolutionising healthcare using AI and big data. In today's episode, I speak with Nick Desai, who created the multiple nine-figure startup Heal from the comfort of his house with his wife Renee. He's now started an AI patient engagement chatbot platform called Renee, which seeks to enable seniors to have a seamless access to care. We also talk about growing a business from zero to $300 million and also how to raise capital as a first-time digital health founder, as well as why his new company, Renee, is so relevant today within the market and the story of how we got Lionel Richie and Matt Damon to invest. If you're interested in digital health or eager to hear insight from a market leader on how to grow and scale a business, then be sure to have a listen. Without further ado, here's episode one of the Digital Health Digest. Hope you enjoy. Thank you uh, very much for taking some time out um, today to join me on the first episode of season two of the Digital Health Digest, our our podcast series here at Charlton Morris. Um, yeah, Nick, I wanted to take the next kind of 25 minutes, half an hour or so, really just to kind of unpack your life as, you know, a serial healthcare entreprener, learn more about Renee, you know, the oversubscribed um, seed round, which I, I, I heard about, which was amazing. And yeah, le- learn more about kind of your work at Heal. Um, uh, and yeah, yep. just, just, just unpack everything you've been doing for the past kind of 10 or so years. I think the work you've done will, you, you'll have a lot of life lessons in there and a lot of nuggets of information, which I know others will have you know, incredible insight um, that you can offer a lot, a lot of startups. So yeah. for, for those few people, Nick, who maybe don't know your work at Heal and now Renee, um, could you kind of run me through the, your background as a serial healthcare entrepreneur, your experience in the industry, and also a bit about what you're doing now at Renee? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, hi, everyone. Uh, great to be on the program. I'm Nick Desai. I am a serial technology entrepreneur. My background uh, starts by being born in Mumbai, India, and emigrating here to the U.S. when I was three months old with my parents um, and uh, grew up in South Orange County in Irvine in pretty idyllic circumstance. Went to undergrad and grad school in uh, electrical engineering, uh, finished my master's in electrical engineering at UCLA. And other than a couple of years working at Rockwell Science Center, um, I uh, have been a serial technology entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Renee is my sixth venture-funded startup. Uh, my fifth, uh, my Renee is my sixth startup, my fifth venture funded startup, and my third in the health and wellness space. Um, in that space, in 2008, I started an online weight loss coaching company that would get you a personal trainer over the internet for $10 a week. Um, in 2008, uh, Spark Capital, Anthem Blue Cross, and a number of other investors were involved in that company. Uh, in 2014, I started with my wife, Dr. Renee Dua. Um, a company called Heal uh, that was an app uh, like Uber to book a doctor house call that grew from literally me and her and her doing the house calls to a company of 400 people delivering 300,000 house calls a year across 10 U.S. states uh, and continues to thrive and do very well as a company. Uh, We raised $200 million in investment capital. We were a CNBC disruptor company two years in a row, a Deloitte Fast 500, Fierce 15, a Rock Health Innovation Award winners, Consumer Electronics Show, Small Business of the Year. So we really, really, really and enjoyed building that. But most importantly, we transformed the industry to believe that home-centric primary care was not only possible, but was profitable yeah. and better for the consumer. Yeah. 
Um, after six and a half years running that company, we took a step back from our operating roles, transitioned to other management, uh, remained uh, happy shareholders, and uh, took a little time off and then started Renee. And Renee, uh, which was founded in August of 2021, about 14 months ago, was a is a personal health assistant that helps people with their most basic, most cumbersome healthcare tasks. We book your doctor's appointments. We remind you to take medications. We deliver medications to your door. Mm. We make sure you get your refills. We help you track your vitals. And as a wrapper around that, we've also included a flat rate prescription drug program. So you can get all of your generic medications from us at a ultra low cost of $25 per, per, per month, not per medication, $25 total for all the medications. Mm-hmm. So let's say you take a blood pressure med and a statin and a this and a that and whatever, and six or eight daily meds, we'll include them in the cost regardless of your insurance, deliver them to your door, remind you to take them, make sure you get your refills, schedule your appointments, track your vitals so that you achieve better health while doing less work. Amazing. Amazing. Nick, an absolutely sensational um, tenure as an entrepreneur within healthcare and definitely want to unpack some of those bits in further detail. I I think, am I right in saying here, Nick, that Heal truly was your, still to date, probably your biggest venture and the one that really maybe is is the most closest to your heart and really took the most time from your day and that you scaled the most. Um, Am I right in saying that first and foremost? Of of the so far, yes, mm, I'm hoping yeah. that Renee becomes yeah. an even bigger story and an even bigger piece of my heart. But so far, the six and a half years I spent at Heal, um, especially in those last two three years, as we navigated the uh, changes in Medicare rules that allowed yeah. house calls to seniors, we launched remote monitoring. Then the pandemic came along, right? Um, navigating those things and building a company in that environment. Uh, was a uniquely challenging and rewarding experience. Incredible. And, and one thing that I think would be absolutely invaluable, Nick, is to, to share some more light on how you kind of raised venture capital and funding. We, you know, we work with a lot of seed round startups, even pre-seed startups from Series A all the way up to, you know, unicorn status and beyond. Um, and and you, you kind of raised... Or, or the company was val- heel was valued at three hundred million dollars. Um, so, so they say. Um, so, can you tell me more about you know the long journey that that it, it took to get that from zero dollar valuation when you first started with you and um, your wife Renee to right. a, a multiple nine figure business and how to also raise money as a new tech entrepreneur in this light when yeah. we've seen for the first time in after so long a slight a slight very slight diminishing return within digital health funding. Yeah, so so there's a couple different points to make. The the first thing I always like to do when I'm asked this question is try to speak to the first time entrepreneur, right? right? Because my scenario coming out of Heal, especially for Renee, was you know I had VCs I wanted to work with, and I have I was thankful to have VCs who wanted to work with me and Renee, and we put a simple deck together, sent it to a few VCs, talked to them, and we had money in the bank, mm-hmm. right? That is where you get to be after five startups and, and you know, having built a company like Heal and coming off the successes of that, that's that's where you get to be. But that, you know, sometimes when people hear those stories, they can't relate because they're starting out for the first time. Yeah. Right. So I, I think the first for the first time entrepreneur in any space and particularly in digital health, my most important recommendations are one 
know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And that sounds like a trite and stupid phrase, but it isn't. And what I mean by that is have a clear picture of what problem you're solving, who you're solving it for, who's going to pay for it, how you're going to make money, and how this becomes a big thing, Mm. right? Those are the five things VCs look for. And don't go pitch a VC until, until you yourself are convinced that the things you're doing actually are believable to you, right? Be your own biggest skeptic, right? And because too often in health tech, and obviously we've seen this in other arenas, I could bring up the whole crypto debacle that is unfolding right now, but we see companies that come in with all kinds of buzzword soup. We're doing value-based care with the DPC twist yeah. with a measures and a care gaps. And we're going to monetize. And it's like, what? I don't want any of that mean. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. So if you ask me, what does Renee do? We get you low cost prescription drugs and help you stay on track. So you get better health. Mm-hmm. Right. And you pay a membership fee and we make a 40% gross margin. Amazing. Those are my answers. Sure. Right? The second thing is to talk to customers, to talk to investors, sorry, to do your homework, right? Know how much money you need, how you're going to spend it, right? And for the good news is nowadays you can find any number of sources for $1,000 to $2,000 that will make you a really great financial model that will design a deck. You can use tools like Canva if, you, if, you don't, if you're not a graphic designer, right? Mm-hmm. But then do the research. Is this a seed fund? Is this a pre-seed fund? What other companies have they invested in, in your space? Are they competitive or are they cooperative? Do they have a thesis? Read their blogs, read their posts, read their Twitter. All of this is available online, right? And find the VCs you are most likely to resonate with, right? And make sure that the stage and timing is correct. If you need $2 million and you talk to a group who only invests $250,000 and they're only the first check and they like to lead pre-seed rounds of $250,000 and that's it. You're wasting your time. Yeah. Right. Talk to people who you have a fit with. And then the last thing I'll say is be incredibly persistent. Sure. Do not be worried about VC saying no. There's legions of stories out there. Mine included when we pitched heel for our a round. Mm. So we raised that heel a one and a half million dollar angel round very, very quickly, sure. right? We had some great celebrity investors in that. Famously, the musician and Grammy Award and, uh, 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 winner, Lionel Richie, wow. was an investor in our seed wow. round. It's a wild story. I met him, Renee and I met him at a hotel and told him about this idea and he got very excited and, and came into our angel round before there was nothing, yeah. right? Wow. And then we won the Montgomery Summit. We raised $13 million of of in a convertible note. And then we went out to raise our A round. And I just assumed, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll skate. It'll be easy. We have traction. We have revenues. We have money in the bank. But the structure of the way we've done we've done things and the amount of angel investors there were in the company um, was, in a weird way, a turnoff for a lot of investors, a lot of VCs. And so we pitched 45 firms before someone said yes, mm-hmm. right? 44 firms said no to heal wow. for our A round. Right. When we did our our the B round came very easily. And then when we did the D uh, the C round as well, we did the D round. Same thing. 
People were looking at different things. People wanted to write bigger checks than we needed, smaller checks than we needed, this, that, whatever. And ultimately, uh, Humana wrote a $100 million uh, Series D check, right? So, yeah. um, you know, you don't know. And, and you know, people get told, oh, don't talk to too many VCs at once. Really keep it very focused. Do this, do that. It's all horse pucky, hmm. right? Talk to as many people as you can and sure. always be pitching yeah. because you don't know who's going to refer you to who's going to refer you to who that becomes an investor. Amazing. Amazing. And yet, Nick, do you think that obviously Heal wasn't your first at bat as a digital health entrepreneur? Did you manage to, from your previous ventures, leverage that network? And was there any, did, did you have a head start or, or a one up on the competition because you had done it before you'd failed, maybe not failed, but the ventures perhaps weren't your best. Whereas you have people coming in now, trying, it's their first digital health venture after being, you know, VP at Optum, let's say, and then they're looking to now start their own thing. They really don't know where to start. Whereas you had the experience of trying, failing, trying, failing, trying, having some success. Third, fourth time round, he'll smash it out of the park. Was that a big factor? In in raising money for heel? Yeah. Yeah. Look, I think in raising money for heel, it was and it wasn't. Sure. In the sense that the the heel was the, the power of raising money for heel was the simplicity of the idea. Mm-hmm. Some ideas, everyone says, Oh, you gotta have an elevator pitch, this, that, and that's not yeah. true for every idea, no. right? But it was true for heel. What do you do? An app for doctor house calls. Sure. Dr. House calls covered by insurance. There's no one in the universe. I always used to make this joke that nobody likes going to the doctor's office. Even the doctors who work in doctor's offices don't like going to doctor's offices. Nobody likes it. Everyone would love a doctor to come to their house and everyone would love not to pay more, right? So the pitch, the hook was incredibly simple. Mm -hmm. And then we had to explain the business dynamics and how it was going to make money and the operational depth and all the things that we had gone into. But with Heal, I chose to raise money from a different group, different caliber of investors, and had a different mix, right? By the time I left Heal, we had Humana, Fidelity, VCs like Briar Capital, wow. right? Family offices like the Estee Lauder family office. Incredible. Uh, sovereign Wealth Funds, the Taiwan Sovereign Wealth Fund, right, was an investor. Celebrities like Matt Damon, Lionel Richie, uh, uh, and and people like that were uh, Derek Jeter were investors mm-hmm. in the company. Uh, Jeb Bush, uh, the former governor of Florida and one time presidential candidate, right? So we had a broad eclectic range of investors, um, and I chose to do that because it was a kind of idea that needed both a depth and breadth of uh, investors involved. Sure. And you know, it, it turned out to be great for us. Uh, and then with Heal, we're coming out of Heal for Renee, obviously, uh, raising money was has been so far easier. But I would I would say that, you know, you made the thing that health tech investing has gotten maybe a little bit, you know, more difficult. Mm. I would say it's gotten a lot more difficult. Sure. And because all of the public company valuations, bar none, right, from their March 2021 highs, are down 80 to 98%, yeah. right? All of them. Okay. And 
Behind them, there's a slate of private companies that raised huge rounds in 2020 and 2021, $100, $200, 300000000 million yeah. rounds. They're never going to deliver value on that and have spent a tremendous amount of money and revenues and losses are continuing to pile up and people are less and less sanguine on, it's almost a where's the value in this space, right? Um, there are companies in other industries, if you look at Netflix or Amazon or Uber, where you can say, They've transformed an industry, they're working, they've scaled. Okay, great, this is a space worth investing in, and we know the returns will be there, and Health Tech hasn't done that yet. Mm. And I, you know, it's, it's good that you mentioned Netflix, Nick, because I, I do want to talk about Netflix. I, I coined you guys earlier um, this month as the Netflix of healthcare, because I think you're one of the, if not maybe the forefathers of this whole sort of subscription model, which I think a lot of companies have sort of join the bandwagon on the fact you, you bring that subscription model that Netflix was very popular for into the healthcare continuum. Before I do, this is another, I know we talked about buzzwords earlier. Here's here's another couple of buzzwords: patient engagement. Kind of that yeah. that word seems to be all the buzz the minute. You got companies doing an AI chatbot, kind of SMS messaging, you know, um, ways that kind of alleviate physician burnout and, and enable the the AI to kind of take on some of that patient intake side. Can you run me through, I mean, Renee, if you were to compartmentalize Renee, I guess they would fall under the banner of patient engagement for seniors. Can you, can you kind of run me through why this using AI to, to communicate with people, be it seniors or, you know, anyone else, why is that important? Why is it necessary? And yeah, why do we need this, this kind of technology within 2022? Yeah. So look, that's a, it's a broad and interesting question. And the answer to it is the word patient engagement, member engagement is a word that comes from other industries. Sure. Right? It used to be, I've been in the internet since the very, very early days. My first uh, tech startup was in 1998 or seven. And, you know, it was called eyeballs, then, mm-hmm. right? How many people are doing your content? Now it's engagement. How many daily active DAUs and MAUs yeah. and whatever the case may be. Ultimately, though, the real measure in a health tech company should be are you saving people money? Are you improving their health? Sure. Right? Are you and because if you the, the goal of making healthcare easier, the goal of engagement, the goal of usage has to be their health got better or they save money. Otherwise, what's the net result? Yeah. Right. So what we look at and we look for is engagement a vehicle to improvement. And we were able to prove in our pilot that engagement is a vehicle to improvement. And so the reason our product exists, the reason Renee exists, is to help people. If you there's no secret in healthcare. Hmm. If you're a 60-year-old person that's a common American person, you're overweight. You have uh, type 2 diabetes or sure. maybe you're pre-diabetic. You have high blood pressure. You have high cholesterol, right? Maybe a couple other issues, COPD, right? That's a very common person. If you see your primary care doctor, if you see your endocrinologist and nephrologist for your diabetes and your blood pressure, and you see your cardiologist, and you get your blood work twice a year, and you get your chest scan, and you take, you, you're probably on eight medications, right? Two for blood pressure, two for cholesterol, one for this, one for that. But that's 100 million people I just described. Yeah. And if you take all those medications every day and you see your doctors and you do what they say, your health will improve, mm-hmm. period. And discussion. Sure. it will happen, 100%. I mean, short of you getting hit by a bus, your health will improve, yeah. right? That, but only one in three 
patients that I just prescribed correctly takes all their medications mm-hmm. every day. Only one in four gets all their preventative health care checkups and their colonoscopies and their blood draws in a timely and efficient manner. We help people do those things. Mm-hmm. We schedule their doctor's appointments. We make their medications affordable. We deliver their medications and remind them to take them. And we schedule their proactive and preventive health care mm-hmm. so that those things get done so that their health care improves sure. and so that they have money, right? Yeah. So to us, engagement is a is a stepping stone to improved outcomes and lower costs. Sure. And I think more people need to look at healthcare that way is what is the fundamental end user value that you're delivering? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Amazing. Um, I, I was, it was funny, Nick, the other day I was looking at um, Renee's solution and obviously we do so much work within this patient engagement space, working with companies who, you know, build AI chatbots to, to communicate with patients. And I was thinking, you know, how, how is Renee really separating themselves from others in the market? And, and I, and correct me if I'm wrong here, I was seeing you guys, you kind of combined the likes of Giant, Hyro and Loyal, the AI chatbot style with the likes of companies like Tomorrow Health, who, who enable people to get their medical supplies and their, 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 their drugs and their kind of everything they need with complete ease. Is that a fair comparison to say you're kind of taking these two verticals within digital health, combining the two and really creating something new and forward thinking? Yeah, I, I would say it's a little bit different than okay. that because what we are doing is enabling. There's a whole range of what's called tech-enabled health sure. services, right? So from telehealth to teletherapy to physical therapy online to prescription management to diabetes management to emotional well-being mm-hmm. to tomorrow health for durable yeah. medical equipment, yeah. to finding a home health worker, those people are all partners and suppliers. And what we're doing is changing the paradigm from you sign up for insurance, you get a thick 60-page book sure. that nobody reads that says, here's your benefits, and you're supposed to go read it and figure out what you have and yeah. what you don't have. So nobody uses the benefits that they have available to understanding a, a patient. When a patient signs up with Renee, we do a personal activation call. Mm-hmm. We spend 45 minutes talking to them. What are your health issues? What are your social determinants of health? We do a tech literacy exam. We do a health literacy exam. We understand their medications. We understand their doctors. And then we tell them, oh, you need physical therapy and you don't have a car? Well, your insurance happens to cover Hinge Health. Do you want to use it? And then we do single sign-on with Hinge Health to make sure that the person can use that that uh, physical therapy online or with Tomorrow Health for DME or with whatever. All of these companies are solutions we aggregate, integrate with, but then curate a custom-specific solution sure. you each member and their specific needs. Right. When you so, say when you say we, Nick, are we talking about we as in that there's a real person behind all of this who's who's working with the patient to understand their needs, or is this is this we as in the chatbot, the app is is finding out things they need? It's a combination. Okay. In healthcare, is it is a human. You there are a lot of things that tech can do very well. I'll mm-hmm. give you an example. A person says, "I don't have transportation." Um to doctor's appointments. So every time we schedule a doctor's appointment, uh, they could get a prompt automatically that says, do you need a ride? And we could use Uber's API. Our software could connect with Uber software and book them a ride. Sure. Okay. That's automated. 
let's take a manual experience. A person needs an appointment with their kidney doctor, their kidney doctor is in private practice. They're the only way to schedule an appointment with that kidney doctor is to do it by calling their office. Sure. Then we as a human that works for us that calls their doctor's office and schedules that appointment so they don't have to do that, right? Unfortunately, there are a lot of things in healthcare that are still extremely manual and that manual uh, nature of healthcare, we want to automate over time, but it cannot be, uh, it's not there yet, mm -hmm. right? So it's a combination, the we is a combination of intelligent, well-developed software, APIs and integrations and human support. Sure, sure. Amazing. Look, Nick, the, uh, the half hour mark, is approaching soon. So I want to tail off with a couple of questions um, just to kind of give some last bit of value and then we kind of find out about what's next for Renee. So let's start with, you know, we, we saw the telehealth boom a few years back um, and, and I guess Heal may have been, that that did kind of swing in Heal's favour, if you will, and you guys were there, right place, right time. And I think with COVID and everything, that really, you know, helped out a lot of digital health, telehealth companies. What... I, I'm starting to see maybe some tail off within that little vertical of digital health. What, what do you see is the future of di the digital health market and how do you think founders and VCs can fund, push and facilitate a new avenue of digital health? Well, so the, if you remember, and you're a very young guy, but I remember because I'm much older, the first dot-com boom, sure. right? The first social media boom, before it was even called social media, they yeah. were called social networks right? Friendster and, and back in the day, yeah. right? The dot-com cycle went through a boom and there were tons of companies, Web Webvan and Quokka Sports right. and the eToys and this that came and bubble and went, mm. right? Social media companies that came and went, right? Before people got those industries correctly. And I think health tech needs to go through that kind of cleansing. Right. I think of the 50 to $70 billion of funding that's gone into health tech, there are three or four really viable long-term companies, maybe a dozen really viable long-term companies, and most of it is crap that sure. needs to go, right? Fundamentally, if you look at the cost of healthcare, outcomes and lifespans, abstracting away the pandemic, there is no data that suggests that digital health and the $100 billion we've invested in this space mm. has improved aggregate population health in the United States sure. in any meaningful way, right? Yes, industries disrupt each other. Amazon put a lot of retailers out of business, but you can easily argue that the average American gets product and services dramatically easier because of Amazon than in spite of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or Netflix with streaming and then, and then all the competitors are Netflix. Sure. but or Instacart with groceries or Ubers with rides or whatever the case may be. You can't argue that in health tech. And I think that fundamentally the approach has been to take an industry as broken and combobulated it is mm. and try to find ways to make money on that brokenness and that combobulation, right? If you build a telehealth company and your revenue model is breakage, right? Mm. I'm going to charge a very small rate per member per month. So I make more money if the less people use my product. That's a bad idea, sure. right? That's yeah, what I'm yeah. So I think that fundamentally, the next generation of health tech companies that I think are the ones that are being created now are going to have to fundamentally answer the question, how are we going to improve health and lower costs for the consumers? And what battles are we willing to fight to fundamentally change the system that limits or impedes that kind of progress? Sure. Amazing. Look, Nick, it's been a real, real pleasure to speak to you. One last thing before we kind of 
I'll let you go on your way to, to continue kind of moving healthcare forward. Um, what is next for Renee? You know, I, I was I was there. I oversaw from afar the, the seed round and then the oversubscribed seed round, seed round two, they call it. Is there is there an A on the horizon? Is there or are you guys going to look to ride the wave with the capital you've built and just grow it organically? What's next? Right now, we are going to do a Series A probably in Q2 of next year, mm. right? Uh, mid, uh, late Q2 Amazing. of next year. Um, but for the moment, we have, we're thankful. We've been judicious with our capital. We have a very decent amount of capital in the bank, and we want to continue to improve the product, attract new subscribers, get to a certain subscriber milestones, and then show that the data on those subscribers is proving the thesis that we are improving outcomes and lowering healthcare costs, sure. and then really add fuel to the fire and very rapidly grow, mm-hmm. right? Keeping it lean and mean, staying focused, staying innovative, and never losing sight of the fact that you have to put patients before profits to build something that is truly uh, transformative in healthcare. Amazing, amazing. And as far as kind of hiring goes, not for us, but just in general, when do you see to Renee to scale kind of headcount and look to get to that 2030? I think meaningful, meaningful scale and headcount will come after the Series A. Yeah. Right. You know, we might add a person here or there, but a meaningful scale and headcount would come after Series A. Until then, we're going to keep it lean and aggressive and build revenues and show a viable business opportunity because I think that that's what VCs next year are going to look for. Amazing. Well, look, Nick, thank you so much for taking half an hour out of your day to join um, and kick off Season 2, Episode 1 of Digital Health Digest. I know this is going to do you know, good numbers and, and your people are definitely tuning in. You've offered some immense value um, to the audience. So thank you so much, Nick. I, I look forward to seeing the growth and scale of Renee over the year and two ahead. I wish you all the best and hope this surpasses everything you've done before. God, from your mouth to God's ears, right? Thank Absolutely. you so much for having me on the program. Thank you to everyone that listened. Check out Renee.com and uh, great to be on. Thank you, Nick. Talk soon. So that was my Digital Health Digest with Nick Desai, CEO and founder of Renee. I'd like to thank Nick again for his time and the insight he provided on Heal and its success. I hope anyone who's interested in any of the points discussed during the podcast can gain some real valuable insight from his role and experience in the industry. Check out the rest of the series when it drops for plenty more insight from industry leaders within the digital health space. Thank you again for listening. I've been your host, Harris Tarek. Bye for now.